Welcome to Eagles, Globes, and Anchors, the strategically-minded podcast of the Marine Corps War College, covering the intersection of strategy, security, and warfare. Welcome to Eagles, Globes, and Anchors. I'm your host and dean of the Marine Corps War College, Becky Johnson. Today we're discussing Campaigning for Strategic Effect, a program at McWar that asks our students to re-engage the strategic and operational decision-making leading up to Operation Overlord and its supporting campaigns. This historical case study of multi-domain operations, information ops, and strategic leadership culminates in a six-day field study to London and Normandy. My guest today is Colonel Craig Price, Joint Warfare Course Director and University Reserve Affairs Chair. Colonel Price enlisted in the Marine Corps in 1987 and is a 1992 graduate of the Virginia Military Institute. An artillery officer by background, Colonel Price has served in 1st Battalion 11th Marines, 1st Anglico, and Alpha 114. He has also served as the Reserve Support Officer for Recruiting Station Seattle, Washington, a planner for 3MEF and Joint Forces Command, an advisor to the Iraqi police, and is a Deputy G5 and Force Deployment Officer for 1MEF. His most recent assignment before coming to McWar was the G3, 4th Marine Division. He joined the McWar faculty in July 2016. Colonel Price, thanks for coming on the show. Becky, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm really excited to be involved in the podcast project, and hopefully we'll be able to get some of that good McWar knowledge spread far and wide. That's the intent. So before we start our discussion of campaigning for strategic effect, can you tell us a little bit about what you do here at the War College? Well, uh, at McWar, I'm the course director in the Joint Warfare course, which means I run the program that ensures our graduates meet the requirements to be joint professional military education level two qualified, which is an essential part of their career development as senior officers. I'm also the Marine Corps. Uh, I'm also a Marine Corps Active Reserve Officer, so I'm dual-hatted as the Marine Corps University Reserve Chair. And in that capacity, I work with all the schools on reserve classes and any administrative issues they might have with the Reserve Marines who attend MCU. I also teach the annual in the annual Reserve Senior Staff Course, which is held here at Quantico every July. Awesome. Well, thanks for being here. Campaigning for Strategic Effect is a fairly ambitious name. What does it mean? Well, guiding a military officer's intellectual growth from tactical and technical focus to strategic mindedness is kind of a central mission, uh, maybe unwritten, but it's a central mission of senior level PME. Uh, during 2017, the faculty of McWar sought a different approach to reach the goal of strategic mindedness, one that would incorporate the very topics and instructional techniques of the year into a culminating campaign study. We titled it Campaigning for Strategic Effect and built it around one of the largest and most complex military operations ever undertaken, the 1944 invasion of France and the subsequent campaign ashore in Normandy. The Normandy campaign was one of the most complex the U.S. had ever participated in, both before and since, and, and was in truth a campaign of campaigns, all focused on one single strategic objective, the guidance that Eisenhower got from the combined chiefs of staff, which was enter the continent of Europe, in conjunction with the other United Nations, undertake operations aimed at the heart of Germany and the destruction of her armed forces. So in that light, we try to talk about many, as many of those campaigns that make up the single campaign as we can. Uh, so we talk about the Battle of the Atlantic, fighting to get to the fight. And we term that as a battle of offsets. How fast can adversaries put into play new technology, doctrine, and, and forces to win an anti-access campaign? It's a true multi-domain campaign, so we tie these emerging concepts uh, into this single campaign. Then we talk about deception and information operations. How do you tell a lie that is plausible, one that your adversary will believe? 
Surprisingly, we don't talk about much about the blow-up tanks and airplanes that were sitting around England. Instead, we focus on the information war, which was likely the reason for the deception plan's success. So topics as uh, assigning a senior commander to command nothing, uh, the false radio traffic that was sent back and forth, uh, the counterintelligence operations and planning false messages with the enemy, as well as the uh, uh, electronic warfare aspects of intercepting their code and breaking their code. Then we tear into the combined bomber offensive and the struggle to bring the heavy bombers into play for operational effect. Issues abound in this discussion, everything from attacking centers of gravity, establishing domain dominance, and how new technology, to be effective, has to be trusted by those practitioners who are inexperienced in its use. We do this through a combination of educational techniques we use throughout the year. We use seminars, guest speakers, war games, we write, read, and finally we take them on a site visit, a staff ride of significant scale in Normandy. So this year we're adding time in London to visit Churchill's War Room and the Southwick House. Why? Well, last year we realized that we were missing a big part of the strategic story. General Eisenhower, acting as a combined force commander and also the senior American officer in theater, was an operational commander who answered to the combined chiefs of staff and to his American chain of command. We wanted to explore how this military officer, who was a lieutenant colonel in 1939, could deal with his main ally, Great Britain, and their dynamic and forceful leader, Winston Churchill, who was located uh, merely 90 miles away from his headquarters while at the same time he had to balance and meet the expectations of his American chain of command while planning and conducting a major combined combat operation. What we found and what we want to explore this year is that although the Allies agreed on an overarching strategic objective, the defeat of Germany, they had underlying objectives that often were divergent from that task. Great Britain had to pursue its own interests in terms of the empire, and Churchill was a strong advocate for maintenance of the empire. President Roosevelt didn't necessarily share that objective. And so decisions were made in how Britain would pursue combat operations ashore that often put General Eisenhower at odds with his senior British commander, General Montgomery. So our students last year loved this trip. I mean, the student surveys were glowing. But let's be real. <laughs> it ain't cheap to pull off our students on a plane and fly them to Europe and spend a week. Why is it important to actually visit these sites rather than just discuss them in seminar? That's a tough one, and it's a question we face all the time. It isn't cheap, both in terms of dollars and in educational time, and we have limited time uh, over the year with our students. I completely understand the concerns uh, related to those two issues. But if you accept the idea of experiential learning, the concept that you can learn from the experience of others without having to learn each lesson yourself. Then you start to understand the rationale for the visit. You see what they dealt with at the time, and especially for this group, you start to see how expectation and plans, in our terms, the discussions and seminar and the war games here in, in Quantico, don't match the reality on the ground in France. This is extremely difficult to make that leap in a classroom. We are asking students to divorce themselves from the concept of inevitability, meaning that the idea that the campaign and indeed the outcome of World War II was predetermined. We won the battle, we won the campaign, we won the war because we were always going to beat the Axis. It's a concept we try to, try to get them to accept without knowing, the idea of individual agency, that individuals had to take action to make the outcome we accept occur. 
Our goal is that from an immersive experience, the students understand, whether overtly or subconsciously, that they, to meet future challenges, they will have to be the ones that take action. They will have to be willing to be the contingent factor. We hope to broaden their experience base through reading, talking, thinking, writing, and being on site. Nothing compares to being on site to put yourself in the position of those who are making those critical decisions. Great, thank you. What do you expect our students to take away from this program that will be useful for them going forward in future assignments? Well, it's kind of what we talked about a little bit earlier. The Normandy campaign was really a complex campaign of campaigns, and it had to be balanced in terms of a global war. Yeah, Germany was the priority, but the war against Japan, plus competing operations in Italy and elsewhere, were a drain on all the resources available. This was truly globally integrated operations where specific capabilities were were sent to Germany or excuse me sent to France or sent to Italy or sent to the Pacific brought back officers and units were transferred whole scale around the world to meet the challenges that were unique to that specific theater we want students to walk away with an understanding how of how the military element of national power provides option to attain strategic objectives but it really truly does require an effort across not only government but society to sustain a global competition, whether that competition is purely military or as in a, a global war, or if it's an operation short of war, but the competition continues. They need to understand their job as military strategists or strategic-minded military officers is to provide that military option that is cognizant of the other parts of the strategy that must be fulfilled outside of the Department of Defense. We want them to understand their role as senior leaders in the process of innovation, not necessarily that they come up with the, uh, the great innovation themselves, but that they understand how to foster a climate that is friendly to innovation, how those ideas can be incorporated into new capabilities and fielded, how that can occur while in contact with the enemy or conducting operations, and how leaders may not get the opportunity to invent or innovate, but they make sure new ideas get traction and get applied appropriately. Strategic mindedness is a difficult thing. There's no sign posted when you arrive at it. You're just there. So we push them throughout the program to think about each issue with its strategic implications, even from force design, force management in terms of risk to force, risk to mission, how long do you leave elite forces in combat, when are they no longer elite, when are those forces that you landed, even though you're pushing replacements to them, when are they no longer the same unit, when do those leaders need a break, to understand all of the myriad issues that make up a campaign that can actually reach a strategic objective. Great, because regardless of where our students will go in their follow-on assignments, that need for innovation and clear, critical, and creative thinking is going to be important for them. Right, and, and I think it's lost a lot in uh, some of the military history books you read is, is that these organizations from uh, really uh, division level on down and perhaps even at core level, and in one case that we bring up, army level, uh, they were innovative. They realized they had come ashore with a set of expectations and reality did not meet their expectations. And that in order to succeed, they were going to have to take the tools they had, adapt them to fit the requirement, or perhaps bring in new tools. And we talk about that repeatedly at levels all the way from rifle platoon 
up to Army Group and what those ideas were and how they met and what success or failures they had with it. Excellent. That's a great way to reinforce a good chunk of what we do in the rest of the curriculum as well. That's perfect. So most of our listeners won't be able to come with us to London and Normandy. If they wanted to learn more about campaigning for strategic effect, what resources would you recommend? Well, this, the book we have the students read uh, in preparation for the trip that's an outline that helps them understand the strategic environment and the operational conditions is D-Day, and that's written by Anthony Beaver. Uh, it's a, a great history, a single-volume history of the operation, and uh, it's easily available on Amazon, uh, and I highly recommend it. It's very readable, and, and a great, uh, he's a great author, and it's a great history. But uh, if they want to get more into the strategic picture, I really recommend an old book. Uh, it's one of the Army's uh, original official histories. It's called Cross-Channel Attack by Gordon Harrison. Uh, and it gets into the strategic decision-making that led up to the landings and some of the actual operational and strategic decisions in the immediate aftermath of the landings. Uh, again, uh, Mr. Harrison uh, is, a, is a great author. So the book reads well, but it has the advantage of being the official history, so it's got uh, a depth of research and background and interviews with the actual uh, officers and, and personnel involved. Uh, so it, it really has a more immediate feel to it because it was written immediately after the war. Now my personal favorite is unfortunately no longer in print, but you can get a used copy out there sometimes. And that's caused, called Decision in Normandy by Carlo Desti. Uh, it's a great book and it really goes into the dynamic, dynamic between Montgomery, Eisenhower, Bradley, and Patton. And I highly recommend it. Last question. Aside from campaigning for strategic effect, what are you reading right now that our students should know about? Well, I'm reading two books. One is by an esteemed member of the McWar faculty, the handsome and talented Dr. James Lacey. Uh, it's his new book that'll be coming out in May. It's called The Washington War. Uh, and so far, it's a fantastic read. Uh, and I'm also reading, uh, just started this weekend, uh, a book by General Stanley McChrystal called Leaders, Myth, and Reality. Uh, and both of them, they kind of dovetail really nicely because they're stories and uh, studies of leadership and decision-making, both in and out of uniform, and uh, I'm really enjoying both of them and highly recommend them. Great. And students who take the Leadership ASP Advanced Studies program in the spring will also be reading McChrystal's book. Yeah, and it, uh, there was an article that came out in The Atlantic, which is an excerpt from his book, on McChrystal's view of Robert E. Lee and his evolving view of Robert E. Lee. And if you can find that online, I highly recommend it. And it's a good taste for the book itself. The, the entire book is, I was talking about it just this morning, it's just very well written and researched and enjoying it a great deal. Colonel Price, thank you so much for being on the show. I know our students are looking forward to the Campaigning for Strategic Effect program in the spring. If you'd like to continue the conversation with Colonel Price, you can follow him on Twitter at JWC. I-N-S-T, probably the worst Twitter handle I've ever seen. Joint Warfare Course Instructor. Come on, mm. who doesn't get that? <laughs> you can learn more about campaigning for strategic effect in our general cur curriculum by following us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at at College. I'm your host, Becky Johnson. Thank you for listening to Eagles, Globes, and Anchors, the strategically-minded, innovative podcast of the Marine Corps War College. This concludes the EGA podcast. Thank you for joining us. The views expressed in this podcast reflect those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views, policies, or positions of the United States Marine Corps or the Department of Defense. You can follow the Marine Corps War College on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at, at McWar College. And as always, our podcast music is Stuck in Traffic 
Have a great day.